0: Galatians 2, verses 11 through 21. Let's read this and get into our Father's word. But when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul writes, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Judahites joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Judahite live like a Gentile and not like a Judahite, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Judahites? We are Judahites by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law but by faith in Yeshua the Messiah. And we have believed in the Messiah Yeshua so that we might be justified by faith in the Messiah and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified by the Messiah, we ourselves are also found to be sinners, is the Messiah then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I have died to the law that I might live to the Almighty. I have been crucified with the Messiah and I no longer live, but the Messiah lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of the Almighty who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of the Almighty. For if righteousness comes through the law, Then the Messiah died for nothing. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. Excellent block of scripture there. That's what we'll be studying for the next three weeks. Today we're going to go through verses 11, 12, 13, and 14. Chapter 2 began by Paul recounting his private meeting with the Jerusalem elders. Paul wanted to make certain that the gospel he preached to the Gentiles had the backing of the elders, and it did. See, the elders did not force or compel Titus, the Greek, to be circumcised. They stood their ground against the false brothers that crept in. The false brothers said that Titus could not receive a right standing with the Almighty until he became a proselyte Judahite through circumcision. That's what the false brothers said, but the elders disagreed. They said no. Titus can be saved by grace through faith, just like we were saved. We'll talk about that here in just a second. James, Peter, and John, some of the Jerusalem elders, they realized that Paul had been given an apostleship to the uncircumcised, just like Peter had been given an apostleship to the circumcised. And so they gave him the right hand of fellowship. And they agreed that he would go to the Gentiles, and they would go to the circumcised, that is, those in covenant, the Yehudim, the Judites. And the message would be the same. Whether they preached to Jew or Greek, the message would be the same. Repent of your sins and receive Yeshua as the Messiah, the Son of Yahweh, your substitute. And by faith in Yeshua, both Judahite and Gentile, that is, both circumcised and uncircumcised, could receive salvation and fellowship in the family of Yahweh. I want you to always remember that. No matter who you are, no matter who your family is, no matter what your genealogy may or may not be, you will be eternally lost in your sins if your faith is not in the Messiah that Yahweh sent. If your faith is in anything else, any work that you do or think that you do or anything you think you are, if that's where your faith is at, you will be lost. For the simple reason that you and I are not good enough to gain right standing with the holy Yahweh. You know what it takes to gain right standing with him? It takes the blood of his unblemished lamb, Yeshua the Messiah, to make your crimson red sins whiter than snow. Always remember that. So Paul has been writing this to the Galatians to let them know that they're veering off track. You're starting to fall away from what I taught you. You're moving away from the gospel of grace in Christ to a distortion of the gospel. They're turning away from trusting in the Messiah and turning towards trusting in the law for their justification. Now, that might make me sound more like a Baptist preacher than a Torah-keeping rabbi. But I'm not trying to sound like either one of them. I'm not up here interested in taking sides. I like what Brother Arnold says. We need to explain the scripture, but we don't need to explain it away. Sometimes the verses are very clear, and we go through leaps and bounds to explain the verses away. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sense of this epistle. I'm trying to properly interpret this epistle in its original context and setting. And if sometimes I sound more like a Baptist preacher, so be it. If sometimes I sound more like a Torah observant rabbi, so be it. So Paul was not, keep this in mind now, Paul was not getting on to the Galatians for desiring to walk in holiness. He was not getting on to the Galatians for desiring to learn the law and put that into practice. Paul was rebuking them for falling into believing what the false brothers were teaching. The false brothers were telling them, you're not saved. They had to in the Messiah. They had trusted in the Messiah, his death, burial, and resurrection, and his perfect life. They had done that, but the false brothers were saying, no, you're not saved until you become a Judahite. And the way that you're going to become one of us is through physical circumcision. So to illustrate this, let's say that this pulpit is like the gate to salvation. And Titus the Greek and Cornelius, the member of the Italian band, they're over here. remember, they're Yahfearers, okay? They're not rabble rousers. They're Yahfearers. They pray, they give to the poor, they keep the Sabbath. They serve Yahweh in the capacity that they can serve Him, but they were raised in a heathen home, so they're uncircumcised. Their parents didn't obey the law. And so they come to the gate of salvation, and these false brothers, they don't ask them, Have you had faith in the Messiah? And then let them through the gate and come over on this side. No, they say, "Have you been circumcised? Are you a Judahite?" And Titus says, "No." and they said, "Well, you can't get in. That's wrong. That's false doctrine. That's a false gospel. That's distorting the gospel. What they should have done is said, "Do you have faith in the Messiah that Yahweh sent?" And when Titus said, "Yes, they let him through the gate, and then he comes over here, and at Titus's pace, he learns and he grows and he is obedient as he understands more about the law of Yahweh in his own time, in his own pace, as as he learns and as he grows. So Paul chastised them for moving into believing that a particular work or effort on their part is what made them right with Yahweh. That's what Paul is getting on to them about. Now, Peter was one of the elders that agreed with Paul's gospel to the Gentiles. But here in our text today, we see that Peter, among others, gave in to peer pressure when a situation arose and Paul rebuked him openly and publicly for giving in to peer pressure. So sometimes that teaches us that an open rebuke is necessary. There are some subjects that, if violated, deserve an open rebuke. Now I want you to take note that I said some subjects because it seems like that believers in the Torah-keeping movement want to openly rebuke other believers in the Torah-keeping movement for everything. You disagree with me about a certain subject, you believe the earth is flat instead of round, or round instead of flat, you're going to get rebuked. And that's ridiculous. That's crazy, it's ludicrous, and it's not of Yahweh. Oh, you don't say the sacred name like I do? Let me rebuke you. Oh, you don't keep the same Sabbath day as I do? Let me rebuke you. Oh, you don't wear your tassels like me? Let me rebuke you. That shade of blue is not quite right. Oh, you don't keep the law like I do? You keep it a little bit different? Let me rebuke you. Now, I'm not making this up. These are all things that I have seen in different congregations that I have been to that believe in the Torah, and I believe in the Torah. I believe in obedience to Yahweh's law. But some people get so bent out of shape if you don't see a particular law the same way that they do. That's not the time to openly rebuke anybody. That's not. Matters like that do not deserve a rebuke. Matters like that deserve mutual respect and cordial discussion. There are so many areas where we're allowed to disagree on in the family of Yahweh. That does not mean we should not discuss our disagreements. We can. It just means that when the dust settles, if you and I disagree on how to observe a certain commandment, we are still both striving to observe the commandment. We're not fighting the commandment. We're both striving to observe the commandment. You see it a little bit different than I see it, or I see it a little bit different than you see it. We're still both wanting to love Yahweh, and that's nothing to be rebuking anybody over. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to how we are made right with Yahweh, when it comes to how our sins are forgiven, that is not up for debate. That is non-negotiable. When someone tries to add to the finished work of Yahweh through His Son, they are in essence saying that what Yahweh did for us through His Son, in His Son's perfect life, substitute death, and victorious resurrection, when someone tries to add to that, they are saying that that is not good enough. And that is a false gospel. And anybody, anybody that comes into this congregation trying to spread that garbage will be rebuked by me as a shepherd here at this congregation. I will drive away the wolves with the big rod and staff of the gospel. I will. And I won't feel bad about it. Paul here openly rebuked Peter for the sake of... Of the what? The gospel. The gospel of the Messiah. There are not many things that would make me disallow a person from being part of this assembly. I try my best to be open and flexible. One lady told me she didn't realize I was so diplomatic one time. I don't necessarily try to be diplomatic. I just study the Bible and I try to obey the Bible. And I like what Brother Jerry said. It was a beautiful sermon. One of the most beautiful sermons I've ever heard. Last week on the new moon. And Brother Jerry talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. These are things that a Spirit-filled person, these are things that grow off of him or her. Not bitterness, strife, envy, backbitings. And so I try to be loving and kind and gentle and patient with everybody. There's not many things that I would disallow a person from being part of this assembly about. We're all in the same school, as I like to say, just not in the same grade. But there is one thing that I'm not going to budge on. There's a few things, but there's one thing I'm not going to budge on, not even for one hour, and that is the truth of the gospel. I denounce anybody that tries to add to Yeshua's finished work with anything that they think they are Or anything that they think they do. All of that is dung. Compared to the Messiah. The whole reason. Brothers and sisters catch this. The whole reason that Yahweh sent his son for us. Is because we could not do it ourselves. That's the whole reason. It is foolishness to attempt to go back to the flesh. When you have been perfected by the spirit. So, this is why Paul got up in Peter's face when Peter came to Antioch. Peter was an elder, but he sinned, and Paul rebuked him before everybody. Verse 11 says that Cephas stood condemned, and verse 12 says why. Look at verse 12 again, Galatians 2. It says, talking about Peter, for he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, He withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Verse 13 goes on to say, Then the rest of the Judahites joined his hypocrisy, that's Peter's hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So Peter was up in Antioch visiting the congregation there. It's probably at this time it was the second biggest congregation of Messianic believers next to the Jerusalem congregation the congregation in Antioch. Remember, that's where Paul and Barnabas were sent out as apostles from, the congregation in Antioch in Acts 13. Now, Peter was okay with fellowshipping with these Gentiles in Antioch. He would eat with these uncircumcised Gentiles, and what that means is he had table fellowship with them. That's what this context is about, table fellowship. This does not mean, please don't read this into the text, Some commentators that I read this week, they read this next part into the text. It's not there, but they read it in there. They act like Peter was eating pork chops or shrimp scampi with the Gentiles. That's not what the text says. The context is table fellowship. Peter was fellowshipping with these uncircumcised Gentiles, and they were eating food, what the Bible defines as food on Yahweh's menu, Genesis 7, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14, what everybody considered to be food. And when a Hebrew sat down and shared meals with somebody on a regular basis, they were considering that someone part of their inner circle. You're a brother. I'm going to share this meal with you, not just one time, not just because I want to get an address or want to get directions somewhere. I'm going to have table fellowship with you. We're going to sit down at the table, and we're going to commune together. That's what Peter was doing. Some of the Judahites in that day had a problem with that. And that's the ones that showed up while Peter was having table fellowship with the Gentiles. Remember, some of the Judahites even rebuked and didn't like Yeshua for who he ate with. Luke five twenty nine through 30, when they held a banquet and the Pharisees and the scribes, they said to the disciples, why does your rabbi eat and drink with sinners? And he said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, right? And then in Luke 15, 1 through 2, they came to him and they said, this man eats and drinks with tax collectors and with sinners. Now, that didn't mean that Yeshua was eating pork chops or shrimp scampi or, you know, stricoline or anything like that, okay? What it meant was, is he was reaching out to the lost in those contexts, okay? When Peter was having table fellowship with the Gentiles, it means that he was welcoming them into the inner circle. You're my brothers and my and my sisters, but particularly my, my brothers like Cornelius and Titus. You're my brothers in the Messiah. So I'm going to have some table fellowship with you. Peter would eat with these Gentiles, and I want you to remember that these Gentiles were not heathen idolaters. Now, they used to be heathen idolaters. These people from the nations once lived lives of worship and service to other mighty ones, heathen mighty ones, goddesses like Diana and Aphrodite. Among others, Zeus, the chief sky god of the Greeks. They used to worship these deities, but they had been delivered out of that. Even before coming to the Messiah, men like Cornelius had been delivered out of that. And they were yah that would attend the synagogue services. They were uncircumcised, but they were looked on as second-class citizens. They were not looked on as having the same status as a Judahite, as one that was a Yehudim that grew up in in the Torah. Brother TJ's sermon touched on this last week in Ephesians 2. These believers in Antioch that Peter would fellowship with were Yahfearers among the nations. They renounced idolatry. They prayed to Yahweh. They gave alms to the poor. They were obedient to Yahweh and they even kept the Sabbath. They would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath with the Judahites. That's why in the book of Acts you read many times, and a lot of people miss this, but you read many times that there were many Judahites and also people that feared God. That's two different groups. Judahites means circumcised, Torah-observant people that grew up like that and those that feared Yah or feared God in our English Bibles. These were the Greeks or the Gentiles that adopted the worship of the Mighty One of Israel and they were allowed to a certain point to worship Yahweh but they were considered lower class because they hadn't grown up like the Judahites grew up. So they were considered outsiders. But Peter said, no, you're insiders. Because the way into the new covenant is not through anything that you do, but it's through trusting in the one that Yahweh Mm -hmm. sent. It's through trusting in the Messiah. And so we're going to welcome you in. And you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll come to the Sabbath and you'll hear the law of Moses be preached. And in your time you'll bear more and more fruit just like we will. Mm -hmm. So that's what Peter's doing in this table fellowship. And Peter had no problem fellowshipping at the table with these Gentiles Yahweh had already showed Peter not to call any man common or unclean in Acts 10 verse 28. Peter had been shown of a truth that Yahweh is no respecter of persons but in every nation. Ethnos in the Greek. Every nation. That word ethnos means race, tribe, people, tongue. In every one of those, he that feareth Yahweh and worketh righteousness is accepted by him. Peter understood that. Peter understood that. But see, there was a problem. and Peter had a problem with things like this. Remember one time he said, I'll never deny you, Lord. And then he denied the Lord three times. That's possibly the greatest sin you could ever commit to deny the Master. But he was forgiven. One time Peter walked on water with the very Messiah. But then he began to doubt and he began to sink. So Peter had some problems. Don't look down on Peter though because you've got some problems too. Brother Matthew's got some problems too, so let's not be too rough on Peter. But Peter gave into to some peer pressure here when certain men came from James. They came into the room where there was table fellowship and Peter withdrew himself from the table with the Gentiles and wanted to act like he wasn't going to have table fellowship with them. They were still second class. And it was because, the Bible says, it was because he feared the circumcision party. That was the party that said, except you be circumcised, you cannot be saved. Now, were these men, in Galatians 2, verse 12, were these men really from James? It says when certain men came from James. Well, the answer to that question is yes and no. Let me explain. Galatians 2, verse 12 says that they came from James, but Galatians 2, verse 9, one we went over last few sermons, has already taught us that James gave Paul the right hand of fellowship and did not force or compel Titus to be circumcised. So James had already settled matters there in the private meeting that Paul had with the elders at at Jerusalem about his gospel. James agreed with Paul's gospel to the Gentiles. James agreed that the Gentiles did not have to become Judahites through proselytization in order to be saved. They could be saved by being plain old Gentiles. They could be saved. How? By grace through faith. In the Messiah. Yeshua's blood is that powerful. It washes away the sin of a heathen outsider. See, the apostolic letter to the church at Antioch and to the Gentiles as a whole helps us understand Galatians 2 and 12's mention of certain men that came from James. I understand now the Jerusalem council better than I've ever understood it before. You ever read a passage of scripture and you think, okay, I've got this one in my pocket. And I've, I've exhausted it, and I know it frontwards and backwards. And then years later, you pick it up again. And Yahweh says, no, you don't. You don't know it good yet. <laughs> Let me show you a few more things. Amen. And so now I understand Acts 15, which is the Jerusalem Council, which was about this very subject. I believe I understand it better than I ever have. Well, in that letter after they came to a conclusion there with the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem that had the, the main authority now that Yeshua had went to heaven, in that letter in Acts fifteen twenty four, the apostles and the elders wrote to the Gentiles more than this, but this is part of what they said in the letter. They said, Because we have heard that some to whom we gave no authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. So we're talking about troublemakers here. Troublemakers, bad ones. They troubled you with words that we gave them no commandment to do. Now they came out from James, but they were not sent by James. What were these troublemakers saying? Acts 15, 1 through 2 tells us, quote, some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, in context that's Gentile brothers, this is Acts 15 and 1, They begin to teach the Gentile brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. So the context is salvation. The context is not being obedient to the law of circumcision. I mentioned before I have three sons. They were all circumcised physically on the eighth day. Why? Because I wanted them to take on the sign of the Abrahamic covenant mentioned in Genesis 17. That's okay. These brothers were not just teaching that. They were saying, Titus, Cornelius, you cannot be saved until you get circumcised. Well, Acts 15 continues on by saying this, but after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, they arranged for Paul and Barnabas and some others of them to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem concerning this controversy. Why did they go to the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem? Because they had the highest authority in all the Messianic land. That's why Paul went to them privately in Galatians 2, 1 through 2 to make sure he was not running in vain. And see, James, Brother Yaakov, was the head elder at the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. And if you read Acts 15, after everybody argues and Peter stands up and talks, James basically stands up and he says, Everybody be quiet and listen to what I have to say. That's what James says. He's the main man. He's the bishop. And he quotes from the prophet Amos how that Yahweh is taking out for himself the Gentiles for his name's sake. And then he says, we're not going to put on them any more burden, but we're going to write to them that they are to begin observing these four laws that we're going to give them. We want you to take this letter to all the churches where you're preaching to the Gentiles, Paul and Barnabas. Take this letter, read it out loud, and they'll have Moses every Sabbath day when they go to the synagogue... They'll hear Moses being read, and they'll learn. Just like we had to learn, they'll learn. The difference was the Judahites, they got to learn from little children up. But the Gentiles, they didn't start learning until they were grown people. That's what Acts 15 is all about. And Peter agreed with James that the Gentiles did not have to be circumcised in order to have salvation. And Peter proclaimed that Yahweh made no distinction between Judahite and Gentile purifying all of their hearts by faith. And Peter mentioned Cornelius' reception of the Holy Spirit as proof that Yahweh himself testified to the Gentile salvation. Peter was basically saying, Yahweh Almighty got on the witness stand and gave us a testimony that the Gentiles could have salvation in their uncircumcision. How did he do that? Because when Peter was preaching to him, he hadn't laid any hands on him. They had not been baptized in water. Peter was just preaching the gospel to them. And all of a sudden, they were. the Holy Spirit came down upon Cornelius and his family. And they began to speak in unknown languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. And Peter said, Are we going to argue with Yahweh? You know, that's one argument you'll never win, is trying to argue with Yahweh. And so Yahweh's the one that caused that to happen. They got the exact same gift that The Judahites got in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. So you can't argue with Yahweh. So Peter knew all this. And in Acts 15 and 11, Peter said, We believe that we, talking about the Jews, are saved through the grace of the Master Yeshua in the same way they, talking about the Gentiles, are. We're all saved by grace through faith. They're going to have to learn in their time just like we had to learn in our time. So the men who came from James in Galatians 2.12, they were not given authorization by the elders. They came from James. They said that they had James backing. They acted like they were the upper spiritual class, but they were not sent from James. And that's a big difference. I've had certain people say to other people things that they thought that I believed. And they say, well, I've been to Brother Matthew's where he ministers at. been to that church a few times and they say, Brother Matthew believes that? I say, well, I, I mean, I've been there a few times and I think that's what Brother Matthew thinks. And then it gets back to me and I'm like, no, I don't believe that. So just because somebody comes from you doesn't necessarily mean that they were sent by you. See, to be sent by someone means you have that person's backing or that authority. Yeah. But these men went out from James without being sent. They went in their own name or their own authority. But Peter, bless his heart, and I don't want to be too hard on him. Like I said, I have my problems too. Peter caved in to these guys. He feared them more than he did the Almighty. I think it's because he didn't want to lose his reputation. When he saw them come in, the circumcision party, the Judahites from Jerusalem, they came to visit Antioch and they saw Peter eating with the uncircumcised Gentiles, the Yahphiris. Peter said, Oh man, what are they going to think about me? So I've got to separate myself from this table fellowship with the Gentiles. Galatians 2.13 says that even Barnabas, Yosef Barnaba, the Levite brother and the Messiah, he traveled everywhere with Paul. He'd been with Paul on that first missionary journey. Even Barnabas was carried away by Peter's hypocrisy. And Barnabas withdrew himself from table fellowship with the Gentiles. Why is it called hypocrisy? The word hypocrisy means literally play acting. It's an ancient Greek word that describes a person on stage in a play that plays a part. That's not themselves. And Peter and Barnabas were being play actors. They were fine fellowshipping with the uncircumcised Gentiles until these men showed up that believed the Gentiles were outcasts and not right with Yahweh and not saved until they got circumcised. So Peter and Barnabas, they got up from the table and they acted like they played the part. They were a hypocrite. They acted like we're not going to have any fellowship with the Gentiles. In verse 14, Galatians 2.14, Paul says, But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everybody. Let's stop right there for now. Deviating, moving away, veering off, straying from. The King James Version says they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. The New American Standard Bible says they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Peter and Barnabas were backing away from the gospel. The gospel that Paul had already gotten the right hand of fellowship for from Peter. The gospel that said a heathen outsider could be saved by simply saying, Yah, have mercy on me, a sinner, and placing their faith in the Messiah. The gospel that said you are saved not by your own works, but you are saved by Yahweh's work through Yeshua and nothing else. You're in the family because you're attached to and in union with the Messiah, your elder brother. They backed down from that teaching. And Paul rebuked Peter right there out in the open in front of everybody in the room. It must have been a sight. What did Paul tell Peter? The end of verse 14 says, If you who are a Judahite live like a Gentile and not like a Judahite, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Judahites? Now, some people, some commentators that I read this week believe that that sentence means that Peter had stopped observing the law and went over to believing that the law had been abolished. I don't think that's the context of Paul's statement. In light of the context that we've been over in this sermon, I believe that what Paul meant in his rebuke is this. Listen carefully. If you, Peter, a Judahite, have been freely fellowshipping with these uncircumcised, Yah-fearing Gentiles up until now. If you've been doing that, Peter, how in the world can you then disfellowship them and act like they need to be forced to be circumcised in order to be saved? You're playing a part that's not true. You're deviating from the truth of the gospel. Peter was doing what we call crawfishing, going backwards on his belief. And it was due to peer pressure and brothers and sisters, as I put this sermon together, I want to remind you, never be pressured by anybody that makes you feel inferior because you are something or you believe a certain way. Or Never feel peer pressured like that. I remember, especially when I was in high school, I remember... That the pressure was extremely heavy on me to do certain things, to speak in certain ways. And it got difficult sometimes. Yeah. And because I was more concerned with what one of my peers, classmates, thought about me than what my dad thought about me <laughs> or my mom thought about me, I would cave into that pressure. That's what Peter was doing on a different scale, on a different level. But Peter had been... He was the first. Peter, before Paul, before Paul ever preached to an uncircumcised Gentile, Peter was the first one that got the message in Acts 10. In Acts 15, he stands up and he says, Yahweh made choice among us that by my mouth the Gentiles would first hear the word of the gospel and believe. And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Peter got that revelation. Peter saw the Holy Spirit fall down upon Cornelius and family. Peter baptized them that day. But yet because of pressure from the circumcision party, Peter crawfished and he backed down. Don't ever let anybody pressure you into following their way just because they think that you're not as good as them or they think that your way is not the right way. I'm speaking mostly spiritually here. Don't ever do that. Peter got openly and publicly rebuked for that. Friends, do you know that that's how important the gospel is? That Paul laid aside any (coughs) loving feelings, brotherly feelings between him and Peter for that moment. It wasn't that Paul was throwing Peter away. But Paul said, look, is—is this important, Peter. You're crawfishing on something that's essential. The gospel is the most important matter or doctrine in the whole Bible, brothers and sisters. It's more important than how you pronounce the sacred name. It's more important than whether or not there is pork in your beans. It is. It's more important than what day you worship on. It's more important than wearing tassels. It's more important than all of those things. Yet, it is the one thing that most Torah-keeping groups that I've been to over the years hardly ever talk about is the gospel of the Messiah. And it's almost like they have a look-at-me mentality. Look at everything that I'm doing instead of look at everything that Yeshua did. And he didn't just do it one day or during a feast. He did it all the time. Never veered off of Yahweh's law. Now I'm not saying that those other things are not important. Any area of obedience is important, brothers and sisters. Any area of obedience is important. But all of those are less important than knowing the Messiah. They all fall short from being able to save you from your sins these four tassels I've got on, the borders of my garment, they will not save me from my sins. They cannot wash my sins away. They can't do it. Eating clean will not save you from your sins. Sometimes I feel like the Torah observant people that I've met in the last 20 years or so, not all of them, some of them, it's like that they go about witnessing and they think that it's a good thing if they just get somebody that's a heathen, to stop eating pork. Now, it may help them in their health. And I think that it is a good thing. But that's not the gospel. That's not what a lost outsider needs to to learn. He needs to learn that he has not obeyed the law. And that he needs to be delivered by the Messiah that Yahweh sent. You know, you could never put another piece of pork in your mouth until the day that you die. But if you reject the Messiah you will be lost in your sins. Do you know why? Because you're a sinner that needs the atoning blood of the Messiah to deliver you from all unrighteousness. Now, let me say this because inevitably somebody, maybe not in here, but somebody will hear this sermon that doesn't know me well enough. So let me say this. Are you saying that we shouldn't wear tassels, Brother Matthew? No, of course not. I wear tassels. It's a commandment. And I believe in observing the law. And I want to be like my elder brother, Yeshua, the best that I can. I know I fall short. But I want to imitate him. Okay, so I wear tassels like he did. Are you saying that we shouldn't keep the dietary laws, Brother Matthew? Of course not. I'm not saying that at all. I keep the dietary laws. My family is is a kosher family. That's not to say we never mess up we do sometimes. I'm not saying not to keep those things. That would be like me saying that you need your spare tire, but don't worry about the lug wrench. You can leave it at home. You ever thought about that? Which one is more important, the spare tire or the lug wrench? Both of them are important. You need both of them. But see, Paul understood that his keeping of the law was the fruit of his salvation. Not the root Of his salvation. See the fruit is what grows off of a tree that is healthy. Why is the tree healthy? Because the root is healthy. That's what produces the fruit. The fruit would never come. If the root doesn't give life. The healthy root here is the grace of Yahweh. Through faith in the Messiah. Paul understood that. He understood it like never before when he came to believe in the Messiah. He understood it like never before. Before, when he was a Pharisee, the Pharisees circumcised the eighth day and all that, he thought he was earning his way into the kingdom of heaven, like the Pharisees did. But when Yeshua knocked him down on the road to Damascus, he got a wake-up call. And he says in Philippians 3, all of those things I used to trust in, I pulled my trust, my confidence off of those And I put him over here on the Messiah. And I count all of that dung That I may know the Messiah. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. From the law. But a righteousness which is by faith. In Yeshua. Any works that Paul did. And any works of righteousness that you do. Are only produced. Because the root way down here. Is healthy. Grace, predestination, what Brother Arnold talked about earlier. Grace, mercy of Yahweh, the divine influence upon the heart. The root is good, therefore it produces the fruit. You know, I think some people are not excited or overwhelmed about the gospel. I know I can raise my hand. I used to not be. Is that all right? It's all right. We're brothers and sisters here. I will confess. I used to not be that excited about the gospel because somewhere deep down in my mind or my heart, I believed somehow I was adding something to it with what I was doing. In observing the law, I no longer believe that. And I'm very excited about the gospel. Some days I ride down the road and I begin to weep about the gospel of the Messiah. I begin to weep about the just for the unjust, right here. I begin to weep about he that remains faithful, even if we're unfaithful, like you mentioned in your testimony. That's a scripture verse, by the way. He remains faithful. And it's because I finally realized how badly I need the Messiah. Yahweh showed it to me. Yahweh showed me how I cannot save myself. And you know what? That is who has to show you. Brother Matthew can't show you. No man can show you. Yahweh has to show you. I cannot work you up to it. I cannot dim these lights in just the right way to make you feel it. I cannot play soft music and get you into a gospel mood. Yahweh has to reveal to you your own sinfulness. And then His love for you And that he gave his only son for you. Yahweh showed brother Matthew what he showed to Job many years ago. Man born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. He blossoms like a flower and then he withers away. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Who can produce something pure from what is impure? How can a person be justified before the Almighty? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in His sight, how much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm. I am what I am by the grace of Yahweh. Brothers and sisters, not by the works of the law. I am what I am because of Yahweh's workmanship in and through me. Not because my parents had me circumcised. I am what I am because Yahweh chose me from the foundations of the world. To be in his Messiah. Nothing more. Nothing less. Anything that flows out of that. Is extra. And I'm glad he's worked on me. He gave me a new heart. And brother Jerry. He he causes me. To walk in his statutes and ordinances. If you don't like that. Take it up with Ezekiel. Take it up with Yahweh. Yahweh is the one that said it through Ezekiel. He said I will cause you. By the new heart and the new spirit. I will cause you to keep my law and keep my commandments. I'm thankful Yahweh worked on me. I'm, I'm thankful I love His law today. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation day and night. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I meditate on it all the time. Wake up in the middle of the night looking up scriptures in my Bible. Wanting to know how I can obey Yahweh more than I do now. Why? Because He saved me by His grace, O wretched man that I am, who is able to deliver me from this bondage of the flesh. He saved me so much. And so I want to do whatever I can do to please Him. I want to love Him. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So I want to do all that. Brother Jerry, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Don't judge me yet. There's an unfinished part, but I'll be perfect just according to His plan. Fashioned by the Master's loving hand. So don't judge me yet. He's still working on me. Take it easy on me. And I'll take it easy on you. Because he's still working on you too. So I love all of that. But none of that is what justifies me. None of that is what forgives my sins. My sins are forgiven because there was some undefiled, unblemished blood that ran down the tree at the place of the school at Golgotha or at Calvary. Because of the precious life that was taken. That's why I'm saved from my sins. Don't ever deviate from the truth of the gospel. Don't ever try to add to something that is perfect. You ever thought about that? You can't add to something that's perfect. The law of Yahweh is perfect, Psalm 19.7. Yeshua kept the law perfectly. There's four or five scriptures to prove that. Yeshua died as the perfect lamb. The perfect lamb. He was foreordained from the foundations of the earth but he was manifest or revealed in these last times for us as of a lamb, unblemished, without spot. Yahweh raised him from the death to immortality because he qualified as that perfect lamb. So don't try to add to that or take away from that. Love him, yes. Serve him, yes. Obey him, yes. But don't think that that adds to anything. Because he's already done it perfectly. And you can't add to it. You can't add to a full cup. Don't say that any of that adds to the Messiah. And don't tell anyone that they have to meet your standard. Before they can be saved from their sins. As I close let me say this. If anybody wants to join this fellowship. All that's required is number one. They be a sinner. Perfect people ain't allowed. Number one, they 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 be a sinner. Number two, they repent of their sins and place their faith in the one whom Yahweh sent, Yeshua His Son. Then Yahweh will grow that person at their own pace. Sometimes I try to do the Holy Spirit's job on people. So I like to say that job's above my pay grade. I can't do what the Holy Spirit is to do. Only Yahweh's Spirit can grow a man or a woman to whom or what they need to be. Don't look down upon somebody because you don't think that they're not growing fast enough for your liking. And don't look down upon somebody because of the amount of their fruit. Because according to the parable of the soils, believers in the Messiah don't all bear the same amount of fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Encourage your brothers and sisters in the Messiah and rejoice with them that your sins are forgiven and that your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Father Yahweh, I love you. I thank you. I appreciate you. You're great and greatly to be praised. Thank you for your law. Thank you for your gospel. May we be both law and gospel people, not just law people, not just gospel people, but both. I praise you for your salvation and your Son, Yeshua. It's through Him I pray. Amen. Amen.